we've been talking about where we're going in life, what our destination in life is. Where is it that God desires for us to be? And I couldn't help but think, even as we were worshiping and singing and, and seeing the, the dramas played out, that there's no doubt in our mind that the Bible gives us some specific things that God wants for our lives, that He wants us to be free in Him, that He desires for us to be released from those things that are holding us down. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about the fact that God intends for us to live a life that glorifies Him, that exalts Him, that tells other people about Him. And so the question is, how do we as individuals get to where God intends for us to be? And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about our destination in life. And just to review the first week, we talked about this one simple statement, and that statement is this, that direction determines destination. That you will end up in life wherever you are going. Now that seems very simple, but in life in general, we like to think there are places we want to get to, but our lives aren't necessarily going there. We used lots of examples. We talked about someone that says, um, I, I, I really uh, need to live better. I need to, I need to exercise more, but they decide not to get up and do it. Or uh, a, a girl in uh, high school that says, when I get older, I really want to marry the guy God has for me. I want to I want to be pure, and I want to be right, and I want to marry the right guy God has for me. And so in high school, I'm just going to date anybody that asks me out. Or the young man that says, uh, I really want to marry the girl that God has for me, and so I'm just going to ask every pretty girl I see out and just choose among them. The person that's on the diet and says, I need to lose 50 pounds, and yet they keep saying, supersize that. Where you're going is determined by what you're doing, not by what you want to be doing. This week after that, we talked about a verse, one verse of Scripture out of the book of Proverbs that simply says that the prudent see danger and, those of you that were here, what did they do? None of you were here, apparently. The only people that are excused from this are the ones in the blue shirts, all right? The prudent see danger and they do what? They take refuge, right? But the simple, the unlearned, the people that aren't wise see danger. They keep going and they suffer for it, right? Straight out of Proverbs. You can put that next slide up. And so Proverbs 22.3 tells us that in life we need to see what's going ahead of us and we need to take refuge. We talked about the only place to find refuge is in the Lord. And then last week we talked about that on this destination with the Lord that we don't need just more information. We need God. No matter where you are in life, if you're wanting to know what your destination is, you must begin and end with God. So this morning, what we're going to finish this with, or what we're going to talk about, is in Habakkuk chapter 2, a prophet of the Lord who wants desperately an answer from God. He desires more than anything to have an answer from the Lord. And I got to thinking this week that the truth is most of us, if we're honest, and if you're here this morning on Sunday morning, you want to do what God wants you to do. That if I were just to ask you, do you want to be the person God wants you to be? Most of us would say, absolutely. And so the question becomes, how do we find out from God how to get on that path? This morning, I want to talk about receiving an answer from God. But I want us to understand that sometimes people come to me and they say, Pastor, I don't know what the situation is. I don't know what's going on here. I just need an answer. And the idea there is any answer will do. And the truth is, we're going to talk about this morning, that 
all answers are not created equal. All answers are not created equal. This is how we're going to do it. How many of you ever seen the show Family Feud? Seen it? All right. We're going to do a little interactive Family Feud, all right? Because I found some answers that people gave to questions on Family Feud, and we're going to talk about not all answers are created equal. Right on Family Feud, some are worth a lot, some are not worth much. So here's how it's going to work. We're going to put up a question like this one. It should be coming up. Name a bird with a long neck. Now, don't shout out yet. I want you to talk amongst yourselves. I want you to figure out a bird with a long neck. In a moment, I'm going to count to three, and you're going to shout it out, okay? You got it? Some of you are out there debating. It's not that complicated of a question. Just, you know. All right, on the count of three, I want you to yell out what bird your group has come up with. One, two, three. Okay. Those all sound like wonderful, fine answers. This is the answer the person on Family Feud gave, a penguin. That's, that's not right, okay? Here's a second question, all right? Name something that floats in the bath. So talk amongst yourselves. Okay. All right, on the count of three, tell me what you got. One, two, three. Good, I didn't hear any of that, but I'm sure they were great answers. Here's the... Now, we could get, by the way, if you answered water, don't walk out yet, all right? We could get into a philosophical discussion if the water at the top is actually floating on the water at the bottom or if it's all part of one. We won't get into that. All right. Here's the third question. Name a number that you have to memorize, all right? So name a number that you have to memorize. Think about it, you know, number that you have to memorize. On the count of three, one, two, three. Social security number, phone number, all would have been great answers. Somebody gave seven. All right. A couple more. Here we go. Name a famous bridge. All right. A famous bridge. All right. On the count of three, one, two, three. Golden Gate Bridge, universal answer. Someone answered on Family Feud, the bridge over troubled waters. Some of you don't get that reference. That's all right, all right? Go look up Simon and Garfunkel on iTunes. All right, here's the next to last one. Name an animal you might see at the zoo, all right? So come up with that. You got that. Animals, lots of choices here. The count of three. One, two, three. Exactly, just like the personal family feud, there was a dog. I don't think they meant like the dingoes from Australia. I think they meant an actual dog. Here's the last one. Name a kind. You have to go one more. Ache. Name a kind of ache, all right? Talk about it this last one, I promise. Kind of ache. Are you there? Okay, on the count of three, yell it out. One, two, three. Headache, toothache, all great. This person answered, pancake. So, here's the point of all that madness, all right? All answers are not created equal. And when you're dealing with the issues that are most important in life, what you want is the answer from the Lord. Amen? That's what you need. That's what you've got to have. And so this morning, we're going to look at the book of Habakkuk, and we're going to find out how he sought the Lord. And I'm going to give you six W's 
on how you can find the answer from the Lord when you are in desperate need. What I need you to do this morning as we're thinking about this is think of a specific situation in your life right now. That if you could find the answer to this situation, this problem, this decision, this quandary, if you could find an answer for this very thing, that you would be satisfied for the moment. What is it in your life that you need an answer for? And then I'm going to ask you, maybe not right now, but sometime this week. There are many of us in this room that are going out from here this week. I mean, Refuge is going to be doing stuff all week in Nashville. We've got a group leaving at 5 in the morning, going to Charleston, South Carolina, of youth doing mission work. We've got a group of 17 leaving Thursday morning, going to Puerto Seguro, Brazil. There are lots of us going all over the world. And this week, I'm going to ask you for that moment in your life, that decision in your life, that answer in your life, that in some way you can do these six things to find the answer. Habakkuk chapter 2. Let me tell you a little bit about Habakkuk. He was a prophet. He was called the singing prophet. He probably was a music leader. And as he was there in his hometown of Jerusalem during the time of Jeremiah and at the end of a guy named King Josiah, as he was there... Everything around him was crumbling. Literally, nations were gathering at the doorstep of his city to destroy it. Within 50 to 100 years, every building in the city would be bare. The people would be taken out. They went in early and got a bunch of the young people that they thought had a lot of potential, and they carried them off to a foreign land. And he's seeing all this stuff around him. Now, most of the prophets in the Bible, they're asking questions for the nation. What should Israel do? What should Judah do? What should we do as a nation? Habakkuk just needs an answer for the Lord right now for him. And so he goes to the Lord in a very personal way, and he lists in chapter 1, and we're not going to read it, but you can go back. He goes back and says, Lord, this is the problem I have. I'm seeing all this stuff. Why Why are the ungodly succeeding and your people are being destroyed. Why are you using them to take care of us? And he just lists these things. And in chapter 2, verse 1, he says to the Lord, Lord, I will stand at my watch and station myself right here. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Verse 2, then the Lord replied, write it down, the revelation, and make it plain on tablets so that all may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end, will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. He's puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous will live by his faith. Six things that I want us to think about this morning that come from this, and it simply starts with this. If you want an answer from the Lord, you have to want an answer from the Lord. The first W is you have to want it. And what I mean by that is with all of your heart, with all of your being, with all that you are, you have to desire to know an answer from God. This is not a list of options. This is not, God, I've got this figured out. Now can you help me with this last part? This is going to God with a blank check and saying, God, whatever you want, I want. Let me ask you a quick question. What is your limit on what God can ask you to do? 
What is your limit on what God can ask you to do? Lord, I would be glad to serve you. Just don't ask me to do this. What's your limit? If God asks you to end a relationship, if God asks you to change your spending habits, if God asks you to go to a different college or school, if God asks you to change careers, if God asks you to move cities, if God asks you to sell your house, if God asks you to move to the mission field, if God asks you to give your children to the mission field, what is your limit with God? You see, what Habakkuk says basically is, there at the very beginning of chapter 2, he says, I will stand here. Basically what he's saying is, I want an answer. I need an answer. Now here's the thing. When you go to God with your desire, you have to go with a blank check with no limits, and you have to say, whatever you tell me, I will do. So it's not just, I want an answer. It's, I will do what you tell me to do. A lot of us go to God wanting an answer, but we may not be ready to do what He calls us to do. The first thing that you have to have that Habakkuk had is you have to want an answer from the Lord. Somebody said it this way. Is an answer from the Lord in your situation just something that would be nice to have, or is it a necessity? Do you have to have it from Him? Here's the second thing. Not only do you need to want, but you have to withdraw. He says this, I I will stand at my watch and I will station myself up on the ramparts. Now, for us, that's not a huge deal. But back then, they had walls built around the city. And at certain points in the walls, they had watchtowers. And what he's saying is, I'm going to climb into the watchtower, literally or figuratively. I'm going to get above everything else, and I'm going to focus completely on the Lord. The truth is that we live in the most distracting society in the history of the world. I have in my pocket my, or I did, I took it out before I preached because if I don't, I get bugged by it, my iPhone. And I I get constant updates and text messages and stuff going on. Now, I would ask in here for a show of hands of people who have received some sort of notification through your phone during this service. I I won't make you raise your hand, but some of you have. I know that because there are Facebook updates through our services sometimes. When I get home, wow, 45 minutes ago, wow, I was preaching at that moment. must have been a good point. It's distracting, right? I went um, for the last part of the the middle of this week, uh, Susan and I and uh, the boys and our baby girl went to the Tennessee River for a couple of days. We just got out there. We got on a boat, rode around, got on tubes, drove around, just relaxed. And I realized when I got back Thursday that I had not opened my computer in over two days. Now, for some people, that's not a big deal. But for me, that's a big deal. And you know what? I really didn't miss it. There were moments when we didn't take, we, we decided we'd got to take our six-month-old daughter out on the boat or put her on the inner tube or any of that. We didn't figure she was quite ready for that. And so we had to have somebody stay back and watch. And there were a couple of times that, uh, now I always did this while she was napping, not while she was awake, but I volunteered to take care of her. Now, part of the reason was I I wanted to be a good dad, but part of the reason is it was quiet and I just got away. When you want an answer from the Lord, you must withdraw yourself from whatever distractions are around. Now, let me guarantee something for you. 
whenever you decide that you want an answer and you withdraw, Satan is going to distract you or attempt to. Whenever you're seeking an answer from the Lord, relationships in your life will start going bad. Whenever you're seeking an answer from the Lord, finances in your life are going to mess up. Decisions that you thought you had made are going to suddenly backfire. Uh, All the thoughts in your mind are going to start to race. This, This is what happens to me, and I don't know if it happens to anybody else. When I seriously sit down and say, Lord, I'm going to focus on you. I want an answer from you. Suddenly in my mind, it starts acting like a like an old radio in a car. Now, some of you still have this where you have the scan on the radio and you push it and it just searches out stations. Just shake your head if you know what I'm talking about. And it'll stop on a station for a second. If you don't push a button, it searches again. And my mind starts doing that. It just starts racing. It's kind of like putting your iPod on shuffle. It just goes all over the place. And when I do that, I have to constantly say, I can't let those circumstances distract me. What Habakkuk says is, I'm going to climb into a place where I can't be distracted. I'm going to get alone in a quiet place, and I'm going to focus on the Lord. If you look in the New Testament, the person that did this the most was Jesus. At the beginning of his ministry for 40 days, he withdrew. At the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew. When he chose his disciples, he withdrew. He healed a leper and he withdrew. His followers were sent out in ministry, he withdrew. And in his final moments before he is sent to the cross, he withdraws in Gethsemane to spend time with the Father. Now here's a question that you already know the answer. If Jesus Christ needed to get alone with God in order to hear clearly from the Lord, don't you think you and I do as well? You've got to get away. We don't realize the noise that is in our lives, but it is everywhere. Here's the third W. After you want, after you withdraw, then you simply have to wait. Boy, that's exciting, isn't it? Look what happens with Habakkuk. He pulls away. He gets there. God starts to answer him, and then he, God says, just wait for it. Write it down when it comes. And then in verse 3, at the end of verse 3, it says this. It says, though it linger. Now, what does it mean to linger? And just kind of hovers. Wait for it. One of the most difficult things in life to do is to wait for an answer from the Lord. It doesn't come when we want it. It doesn't come when we think we need it. It comes when the Lord desires and when He knows we need it. And Scripture says that constantly we must wait on the Lord, quietly, patiently, expectantly, constantly looking to Him. Now, Part of that waiting is the next one, which is simply to watch. I want to read a strange verse to you, okay? This is chapter 2, verse 1. We're back to verse 1. He says, I'll stand in my watch, I'll station myself, and then he says this, I will look to see what he will say. Let me ask you a question. What sense do you use when people say something? There's no trick question here. You're hearing, right? So generally you would want to say, I will listen to hear what he says. That's not what Habakkuk says, is it? He says, I will look to see what he says. Here's the point. Remember where I said Habakkuk was? He was in a watchtower, right, around the city. Now what was the person in the watchtower supposed to be doing? Watching. Good. See, these are easy questions, right? Now what is the person in the watchtower looking for? Are they looking for the bunnies in the field? Enemies, right? I mean, the purpose is to look out and see the enemies coming. And so what he's saying is, we go back to that verse from a couple of weeks ago, the watchman is supposed to be out there looking for any danger or problems that might be coming. And what 
Habakkuk is saying is, Lord, I'm going in here. I'm withdrawing. I'm wanting it. I'm waiting on you. And while I'm waiting, I am watching in the distance to see what you're going to do. Desiring for you to do something. Habakkuk basically says, Lord, I'm here. I'm watching. And I'm waiting. The Bible is full of places when people saw what the Lord wanted them to do. In fact, uh, it's full of visions. Just a list of people, some that have visions in the Bible. Abraham, Joseph, Jacob, David, Job, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Michael, wise men, Joseph, Paul, Peter, and John. It's a couple. They see what the Lord wants them to do. When you get into that place and you're waiting on the Lord and you're watching, you need to ask specific questions and you need to get into His Word. Here's the fifth thing. After you want it and you withdrawn and you wait and you watch, then you're right. He says, write down what I've said. Now, for you, that may not be journaling. It may be putting it in a computer. It may be a lot of things. But the point is to have some way of recording what the Lord has told you. Write it down. This is what God intends for me to do. This is where God intends for me to go. And then the last thing you need to do is you worship. Now Habakkuk chapter 2 is the beginning of his vision that he gives him. And it goes through the rest of the book. It's a short book. It's not very long. You can go home and read it at some point. But here's the thing. Habakkuk tells all these questions to the Lord. He seeks an answer. God gives him an answer. And in chapter 3, starting in verse 1, he writes a song unto the Lord. It says a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, but the way it's written in the original, it was a song that probably was sung. In verse 2, basically he says, I don't have all my questions answered. I don't have everything in line. I don't have everything I know. I'm not comfortable with everything. But verse 2, but Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And what he basically says is, Lord, you are great and you are good, and I worship you today, no matter what happens. In our uh, early service this morning, uh, we sang a song that uh, I've shared with our congregation. It has some meaning to me. The song, Here I Am to Worship. And uh, the reason that, that song has meaning to me is because at a very important time in our lives, when Susan and I were married and um, we had been told we couldn't have children and we had seen some doctors about that, and there came a very important moment in our lives when we were laying it all on the line to have a child. And I was driving down the road, and Habakkuk, there's a part in Habakkuk 3 that kind of speaks to this. There's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I was driving down the road, and I just in my mind said, Lord, I am trusting in you completely to give us a child. But even if you don't, I will worship you. And at that moment on the radio came, here I am to worship. And in my heart and in my mind, as I was thinking about this story of Habakkuk, it's almost like Habakkuk is saying, Lord, I don't understand it all. I don't quite get it all. I don't believe that this is how I would do it. But I am trusting in you completely. And regardless of what happens with Jerusalem, if I don't get the answers I want, if the answer you give is different than what I desire, I am going to worship you anyways. Here I am to worship. I have heard of your great works. I have heard of your great fame. You are alone are God. 
I can't tell you what your destination in life ought to be. I can tell you this, that it is a destination in God's plan that is greater and bigger and higher than you can imagine. What I also tell you is this, Satan wants to do everything in his power to get you off track. And so if you are going to find yourself at the end of the destination where God intends, then you must spend time getting an answer from the Lord because not all answers are created equal. And in doing that, you need to want it. You need to withdraw. You need to wait and watch and write and worship. Think back to that decision you said you needed, that problem you needed solved. Are you willing to write a blank check to the Lord and saying, whatever, whenever, however?